0: So last week we talked about my husband is so, and we answered the question here my husband is so, and we learned um, that God wants a wife to be able to say about their husband that He's so considerate. Not only is so is He so considerate, He's so honoring. He wants the husband to know his wife, to, to get a PhD in wifeology to know what makes her tick, to know what her heartbeat is and and what her passions are and what her hurts are, and and in getting his Ph.D. in her, not to pick her apart and to dissect her, but to honor her and to place a high value on her. And and I just want to say this um, from personal experience, husbands, when we blow it, now notice I didn't say if we blow it. When we blow it, we need to own up to this with our wife. And we need to genuinely apologize. And I'm, gonna, I'm just going to tell you what that needs to look like and what I've had to do in my own life because I'm, I'm remembering a very specific instance probably about three months ago when I handled my wife in a way that was not considerate and was not honoring. And, and I just want to be truthful and open with you. Like, I, I raised my voice, and I, and I treated her poorly, and I even did that in front of the kids. And here's a few things that I needed to do to own up to this with my wife. Number one, I needed to go to her, and I needed to admit my wrong. And so I did, and I, and I said, you know what, um, I, I, did not, I did not treat you well, and I raised my voice at you, and that really was, was poor on my part. Then the other thing I need to do is I need to acknowledge how it affected her, and I did, and I said, um, and I realized that, that that made you feel mistreated. And attacked and dishonored and then I don't just say and I'm sorry I say will you please forgive me because we need a response from them we need them to be able to to connect with us on that they need to participate in that but we acknowledge our fault we identify with their hurts And then we ask for their forgiveness. And here's the other thing I had to do. I had to go back to my kids. And I even apologized to my kids. I said, you know what? The way I handled your mom was wrong. And here's here's the other thing, men. um, We don't make excuses. Like, um, you know, she was being really difficult to me, you know. And that's why I did it. That, that is just excusing our wrong behavior. We don't do that. We just say, you know what, kids, what I did was wrong. And how I raised my voice at your mom was wrong. And I did it in front of you. And I apologize because that could make you feel insecure. That could bring dishonoring feelings toward your mom or toward myself. And I need you to forgive me. That's what we need To do to repair our relationships and it's not an if we blow it. It's a when we blow it We need to repair. I get an amen out of this thing. It's what needs to happen And so um, our staff got together this week to talk about this message And I'm telling you this may be one of the toughest messages for a pastor to preach because there are all stages of marriage represented in this room and, on, and online right now. And some of those stages bring deep scars and fresh wounds. And I know this already because I've heard from you. And I've got emails from you and texts from you. And I realize that for some, today is not about improving your marriage It's facing some of the greatest hurts you've ever experienced in your life, and I understand that And there's no way that we can possibly touch on you know every issue in 30 minutes or less But but I want to get through some general thoughts that the scriptures say explicitly And I trust that they will be a help to you and and no matter where we are I know that they can help us help others And that's a part of this discipling thing. Even if you're not married, these things can help you help other people. And if there's lingering questions, that's when we need to talk in our small group. That's when we need to open up to a friend. That's when we need to call on a staff member in church or a pastor in the office. That's when we need to take this thing further and and work through this. But this, I know, is not an easy subject. So let's just take a second. And um, can we just pray together and just ask for God's help as we work through this passage today? And so, Father, I ask, in the name of Jesus Christ, help me, God, to speak your word plainly and firmly, yet with compassion, I pray that you'll open all of our ears and our hearts. And God, instead of taking the word and shaping it to us, help God, you take us and shape us to your word. And use these moments to do it, we pray. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen. Okay, 1 Peter chapter 3. Grab your copy of the scriptures, turn there. Let's get diving in. If you're with a, with a physical copy of the Scriptures, it's toward the end of your Bible. If you're looking for 1 Peter, it's right before 2 Peter. That should be a really good help to you. Obviously, if you get into Revelation or something like that, you've gone too far, take a turn back, and you're going to come to 1 Peter before too long. We're going to look at verses 1 to 6 And as we do, we're going to answer this question, my wife is so... And there's two things, there's two phrases that God wants husbands to be able to say about their wives. These are important phrases. These are significant, not just for her character, but for the marriage relationship. My my wife is so... So let's look at the first six verses... In first Peter 3 and here's how it begins it says wives in the same way submit yourselves to your own husbands so that if any of them do not believe the word they may be won over without words by the behavior of their wives when they see the purity and reverence of your lives Your beauty should not come from outward adornment such as elaborate hairstyles and the wearing of gold jewelry or fine clothes. Rather, it should be that of your inner self, the unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit which is of great worth in God's sight. For this is the way the holy women of the past who put their hope in God used to adorn themselves. They submitted themselves to their own husbands. Like Sarah, who obeyed Abraham and called him her Lord, you are her daughters if you do what is right and do not give way to fear. So there's two phrases that God wants husbands to be able to say about their wives, and these are great. These are impactful phrases, these are influential phrases, and here's phrase number one, and it's in the first couple verses, my wife is so respectful, my wife is so respectful, and I wanted to get at the attitude that's behind this command, because it mentions in this idea of respecting, it mentions specifically this word being submissive. The idea of being supportive and esteeming. And so I, I just want to look at this word submissive, and there's there's a reality that this passage comes in a whole context of submission. And so if you back up, say to chapter two. Starting in verse 13, there's a a reality of life that everybody submits, everybody yields. And in chapter 2, verse 13, it mentions that everyone is to yield to human authority. It says whether emperors, governors, whomever they be. But then as you continue to go on, In verse 17, show proper respect to everyone. Then it mentions in verse 18, even slaves um, submit in reverent fear to your masters, and not only to the good, but also to those who are difficult or harsh. Then it mentions how Jesus submitted, and then it steps into chapter 3, verse 1, and it says, so wives, I want you to submit. And so the reality is everyone Submits, and I just want you to know, like here I am, and um and and obviously I'm a lead pastor within this ministry. And I have a level of authority within this ministry that I try not to lord in improper ways. And and let's say because here's the reality that Brian Giddis, our buddy Brian Giddis, he's a lieutenant with the local police department. He's in our church family. So within this context, you know what? I'm his pastor. I'm his shepherd and There's a level of authority that I have however we step out of this building And if I decide to speed down the road and Brian pulls me over I am outside of my sphere of authority and I am in his And he may say Brian that was a great message on Sunday I took comprehensive notes. However, I have some notes for you. Okay. I submit. Everyone submits. So this isn't a unique command. When Peter steps in and says, So wives, here's an authority that God has within your life, and it's your husband. And it's for, it's for order. There needs to be order. I, I want to show you this word for submit is actually a military term in the Greek. And there's, there's two elements to it that literally mean to arrange in an orderly manner under another. It doesn't mean inferiority. It doesn't mean lesser value or lesser ability. It's for the sake of order. I like to use the analogy of yielding. So imagine a yield sign that you see as you go down the road. Now when you see this yield sign, you, you come to it and there's another vehicle there. That's also coming along now. It matters not which vehicle is worth more Which vehicle can go faster Which vehicle looks nicer It really doesn't matter Because for the sake of order They have placed a yield sign in front of one Flow of traffic to say, you know if there's going to be a collision you're the one that needs to pump the brakes You're the one that needs to surrender your right of way to allow another one to go by. And so the whole issue of submission here in the text, it's it's for order. God says to the wife, I want you to be respectful and to yield when there's the potential for collision in your relationship. And some, some women will say this, well, the only time I struggle with yielding or submission, is when we disagree. Exactly. That's when it's tested. And yielding and respect is more than words or actions, This attitude, and yielding avoids relational collisions. So here's the attitude behind it. And we're going to come back to the The next section about the unbelieving husband toward the end but but notice it says um, if any of them do not believe the word they may be won over here's where the attitude comes in if you can see it this is so critical they may be won over here's how my text reads i don't know how yours says it right there without words by your behavior when they see purity and when they see reverence or respect when they see it not just when they hear words but when they see it when they experience this attitude from you and 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 it's it's all in the attitude it is all in the sense even your nonverbal and if i can connect on this Ladies, your nonverbal is so important and so influential. And I know that we've been there, so here's, here's some nonverbal. <clears throat> hey, honey, is everything okay? Fine. You sure? Mm-hmm. Oh, good. Here, I thought there was some tenseness in our relationship. You know nonverbal the silent treatment The distance the avoidance an eye roll You know these nonverbals no matter what we say are critical in the communication of respect and truthfully Wives, if I could just harness this, this is so true. Women, there's no one on the planet who can influence your husband greater than you. There's no one who has greater impact and an insider's position of influence on your husband than you. God has given to you a dynamic, special position. That no one else has. And he says your best way to influence your husband is through yieldedness, it is through respect, and it's even through all of these nonverbals. And he wants you to handle it ever so carefully because he wants your husband. To be influenced and for him to say my wife is so respectful here's the second thing he also wants a husband to be able to say my wife is so tender my wife is so tender and as we continue down through this context he goes on to your beauty Your beauty should not come from outward adornment such as an elaborate hairstyle and the wearing of gold jewelry or fine clothes. He doesn't say you shouldn't do any of that. He just says that that should not be the source of your beauty. What should be the source of your beauty? Verse 4. Your inner self. And here's the the two phrases that make up this idea of of, um, tender. (coughs) Tender. Your beauty should be your inner self. The unfading beauty, and here's the two thoughts, of a gentle and quiet spirit. They make up this idea of tender. Gentle means meek, mild, humble, a tender dealing with matters, thoughtful, careful, humble dealing with issues, You know, quiet has this concept of keeping one's seat or being peaceable or exhibiting self-control. Quiet does not mean the silent treatment, just so that way we know that. But it's this whole thought that I'm I'm not going to battle with him. I'm not going to say, yo, it's on, bro. We're doing this. You know, it's avoiding the big Ds, the debate, the dominate, diminishing his position or deconstructing the relationship. It's just avoiding that and saying, you know, I'm going to follow God's path to influence him. And it's going to be through tenderness. We all know what Solomon had to say in Proverbs 21.9 about this because this is what a husband says you know if the wife just wants to take him on let's do it it's debate time bring it on you know this is what solomon says about it better to live on the corner of a roof than to share a house with a quarrelsome wife so we lose our influence ladies when we just want to take him on when we want to do battle when we want to dominate when we diminish his position, we lose our God-given influence in his life. It's interesting that he contrasts this with their beauty. And I, I oftentimes ask women, how, how much time do you spend on your appearance in the morning? And imagine if we spent the same amount of time thinking about and praying about our attitude with our husband every day. It would make a difference in our influence in his life. Now here's here's two keys. Two keys to respect and tenderness. And they're found in verses 5 and 6. Look at this, verse 5. For this is the way the holy women of the past, here's key number one, who put their hope in God. This is how they used to adorn themselves. So key number one, put your hope in God. I know because there's this thought that's in many ladies' minds right now, but you don't know my husband. You don't know what a horrible decision maker he is. You don't know the mistakes he's made. Like he's made some big blunders that have nearly cost us. And and I understand that. Notice the example of this hoping in God. So these holy women of old hoped in God. They submitted themselves to their own husbands. Look at verse 6. Here's his example. Like Sarah. So let's just do a little history test here. Uh, See if you're with me. Sarah's husband was... Abraham, now, can I just be open with you? You want to talk about some bad decisions. There's a point in the scriptures when Sarah and Abraham were in Egypt, and Abraham says to his wife, you know, you are beautiful. And I'm sure she's thinking, this is a great compliment. You are so beautiful, honey. But here's the problem. Pharaoh's going to want you as his wife, and he's going to kill me. So you, let's just say you're my sister, okay? You're my sister, and, and then I don't have to fear for my life. Boom, Pharaoh still picks her up, is he even thinking about marrying her until all disaster breaks loose, and then Abraham is really in trouble. You talk about a boneheaded decision. And then you know what? I think I'm going to have a child through Hagar. And that has cost the world for all the rest of the millennia, all the way up to the very end. And so if anyone could say, okay, time out. Respect my husband. Uh, Everyone has a copy. Of His stupid decisions and you think I should respect him But here's what she did and what the text mentions is a key to respect and tenderness hope in God There's someone over your husband who's a lot more powerful than you are and he's God And some women I know that will say, you know, I've been trying to respect him and it's not working. In other words, he's not doing what I want. He's not changing the way that I want him to change. And here's here's just what I need to share from my heart. You know what? You hope in God. You don't respect your husband to change him. That's not the right goal. You respect and are tender with your husband to change yourself and to please God. You can accomplish that goal. You can accomplish that. And you hope in God. You allow Him to work in your husband's life. You please God and you trust Him to change your husband. He'll do a better job than we can by doing it our way. That's hoping in Him. <clears throat> and then it comes down in verse six you know, Sarah, who obeyed Abraham, called him her Lord. You are her daughters if you do what is right, and here's the last one, and do not give way to fear. And that's really at the root of so much of this challenge to respect and cooperate and esteem and be peaceable is oftentimes it's our fear. And we struggle with with that fear and we want to control or we fight or we resist or we can manipulate and we hold back and we collide with the relationship we we fail to yield and we do this relational demolition derby until we finally get things the way that we want them to be and the way to not give way to fear is to hope in god so ladies you're going to need a good relationship with god to be the wife that God wants you to be to your husband. So I, here's some, um, some specifics. What communicates respect? So I got together with our staff this week and we talked about it. So here's some nitty-gritty what communicates respect to your husband. So get your pens ready. They're going to pop up on the screen. Here's the how we can do this. Number one. She talks positively about me, to me, to the kids, to the parents, and to others, even when there have been challenges. I know that's a tall order. That communicates respect. You know, she avoids negative talk. Here's number two. She avoids negative talk about me to others. Nothing erodes trust or respect faster than this. Negative talk to you or to others about you. This one is a big one. She recognizes my efforts, not my failures. There are plenty of failures, but she recognizes when I try even if I don't succeed you know, so instead of You never take out the garbage Maybe flip it around and say something like ooh, I Love it when your muscles ripple when you take out the garbage. A different response you may get from them. Here's another good one. She leaves the past in the past. She accepts that she married someone imperfect. I love this. I know E. Harmony said perfect match, okay? I understand that. Ooh, perfect match for you. I realize that, but he ain't perfect. He never was perfect. He never will be perfect. And if you go into that, balancing your expectations that helps with respect. She tells me she's praying for me and my decisions. That shows support. That makes a husband want to involve her more. I need to work through a few of these for time's sake. She she's accommodating with plans you know works together to be sure everyone's needs are met rather than dominating the plans she still prioritizes me when the kids come along and I know because I've talked to I've talked to marriages like when the kids are now leaving the house and husband and wife look at each other like what are we going to do you know but to still prioritize your spouse even when the kids come along. To give opinions and appeals respectfully. To give opinions and appeals respectfully. And to remember, you know, God made you for him. He needs you. And so this last one, she partners with me. She was created to be a helpmate She comes alongside to support and esteem. You know, you are created for him. He needs you to be a partner. And so do that. Do what is needed in supporting and esteeming and, and enabling his leadership and encouraging it as much as you can. He needs you. Um, let me give you these some how to's on tenderness. Tenderness is a tone. So, watching the tone of my voice. <clears throat> the words are one thing, the tone and expression. Whoosh, wow. It's a big deal. There's another one, timing. There's tone, there's timing. The timing of my input, opinions, or appeals. Nothing goes well in frustration. And so, thinking about the timing. You now, if he's walking through the door after an exhausting day, that may not be the time to unload. It may be a better time to think about after dinner or when he's relaxing a better better opportunity and then this may sound crazy but I really think it's true to practice right responses to practice right responses to think you know what if he acts this way here's what I'm gonna do and to even rehearse those in your heart and your mind because you know if you're anything like me what comes up at the moment What comes up when you're frustrated what comes up when you're emotional may not and probably is not the thing to utter or to express but to practice right responses of tenderness would be best now here's the most common issues what if he's not a believer what if he's not acting like a believer What if he's not living right? You're going to have to talk about these a little bit more in your small group or with a Christian friend or maybe call up a staff member or a pastor, but here's the reality because the text is very plain. That your path of influence, even to your unbelieving, your not living right husband, is through respect and tenderness. God doesn't give a plan B, okay? If that's not doing it, then you unload on them both barrels. And have this concept, you know, there should be unconditional love. There should be unconditional respect. You don't need to earn my respect. You don't need to earn my love. Something I'm going to give. It's a grace gift. So that even if they don't believe the word, they may be won over through this position of influence. And then here's the next big question. Oh, my. What if there's abuse? And I'm here knowing that it's not what if there's abuse i know for some people in this room and watching online it's since there's been abuse it's it's happened and i i hear you and i i understand and i ache for you Um, even abuse of your children what do you do in that case and I would, th- this is a whole message in and of itself, but just quickly. We all have spheres of authority. Like I mentioned, I may have authority here. I step out on the road, and Brian Giddis is my authority. And your husband has authority in your home, but if he misuses that and is abusive, And mistreats and physically mishandles you or the children he has an authority as well and there are others over him outside of the home even that give authority to make sure that these types of things don't happen and after respectful appeals to him you need to appeal to the authority that God has placed over you both and so I would encourage you, if you're in an abusive situation, you talk to his authorities. Number one, you can talk to a pastor. If you need further guidance, you can talk to the authorities. My wife and I have taken, I remember a time a woman and her children into our house that went through abuse. And then I reached out to her husband to work through the issues. I I remember another time when a woman came to our home after she and her children were physically abused and we cried. And we appealed to his authorities and even called in, we had to call in the police and fill out a report to help him understand what he was doing to his family. No matter when this happens, We always do these things out of protection and reconciliation, not retaliation, not gloating, not getting him back. But we still do it out of respect. So let's finish up. And I've taken a little extra time. Let's finish up here. Here's the why. Here's why we do it. Ladies, why do you give tenderness? Why do you give respect to your husband? Why do you do it even if he's not deserving of it? Why do you do it even when he makes poor decisions? The most significant word in this verse is just like last week, where it says, wives in the same way, or wives likewise, And here's who it's referring to that likewise or in the same way means similar in character or in the same way with the same character and it's referring to verse 21 and here's what it says to this you were called because christ suffered for you leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps He committed no sin, no deceit was found in his mouth. When they hurled their insults at him, he didn't retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. That's hoping in the Lord. He himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. so wives in the same way as jesus and your husband may not deserve your respect he may not deserve your tenderness but you know what we did not deserve christ's love and christ's sacrifice and giving something that people don't deserve is at the heart of jesus is at the heart of the gospel It's called grace and this isn't just a theology it's our life's value it's at the core of how we see our husbands even when he's unlovely I'll love even when he is not deserving of respect I'll respect even when it's hard for me I'll put him above me these are Jesus values these are gospel values And we can't genuinely have Jesus' values unless we have Jesus at the center of our lives. So embrace him. Believe in him. Understand that he died for you. And that's your example of grace. So wives, be Jesus to your husbands. Be Jesus to your husbands. Give him grace. Influence him the way God wants. Would you stand with me? Take this farther. Talk in your small group. Talk to a believing friend. This subject isn't just listen and leave. This is something that you need to continue to churn over in your hearts. Probably for the rest of your life to be Jesus to your husbands. And Father... I pray for the very special, beautiful, powerful, influential position that our wives have. God, I pray for these lovely women, our future wives. God, give them strength. Give them grace. Help them to be the influencers that you've designed them to be through the tools of respect and tenderness that you've given to them. Thank you that you're the ultimate authority that we can trust in you. God, help us to keep our eyes on you. And be Jesus to the husband. And we pray this in the name of our Savior. Amen. Amen. Hey, God bless you. Some tough stuff to talk about today that can change your home. Have a great week. See you next week.